Hello and welcome to another wrestling podcast. Uh, this is a podcast that is inspired by stuff like OSW Review, uh, the New Gen Podcast, Attitude Era Podcast, uh, things where a group of friends get together and talk about wrestling, although those podcasts all kind of focus on a period of time, or at least in their initial runs they did. What we are going to do is each episode uh, have a single focus, so on this first episode or episode zero, uh, we're, we're focusing on John Moxley's IWGP US Heavyweight Championship matches. Uh, sometimes we might do longer things that are like multi-part things, but it's not ever going to be a big long running. We're going to cover all of the new generation period from like 94 to 99 or whatever it was that New Gen Pod did. Uh, we're going to cover all of wrestling since it was invented. Yes, we're just going to cover the entire history of wrestling. Uh, this is our episode zero, so we're like trying to work out some of the kinks and hopefully get the, the format down uh, so things might change a little bit in, in future episodes, and it is entirely possible that I never put this episode up. But I, I hope that isn't the case, because I put a lot of work into it. <laughs> <laughs> Have we considered a format that is 100% kink? Considered and dismissed. Fair enough. So uh, the people that you have heard are, are my friends. Uh, wait, did I introduce myself? No. No. Hello, I'm Ben Herring. Uh, I, I'm going to be your host for the evening. I'm joined by my friends, Jamie. Do you want to introduce yourself, Jamie? Hello, I am Jamie. Very good. <laughs> I am not Ben. <laughs> and Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. Uh, I'm a non-binary person from Leeds. Uh, before we get into the Moxley stuff, do we want to have a, a quick chat about how our like personal histories with wrestling and wrestling fandom and how we got into wrestling? Oh, I think people already know everything they need to know about me from my introduction. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll go straight <laughs> no, we, on. To... No, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's interesting because we all kind of have, I feel like we, we, we've all come into wrestling at different points and been different levels of consistency with how we've approached wrestling throughout like, yes, our lives, I guess. I, I would agree with that. Do you want to start? or? Uh, yeah, I can do. Um, like My earliest memories of wrestling are <laughs> with um, like my friend's little sister. Like, was he even my friend? That's a bold start. He was. It's it's a strong start, isn't it? I was also a small child at the time. It's fine. <laughs> um, your friends. I mean, you could have been an adult, and your friend's little sister was also an adult. <laughs> no. Um. So yeah, it was. Yeah, like a, my friend's little sister was into wrestling, and I remember watching like. I, I I feel like I remember the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, and not very much else. So, so from probably that. like the the late eighties. Yeah, probably. I'm 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 the old man of the group. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then like I never really I, I thought it was kind of silly even at that point, even as a small child. <laughs> um, but like it was really seeing like Jeff Hardy in the nineties that made me think wrestling is pretty cool. Because um, he jumped off shit. He did. He did like he did the flippy things, and uh, I enjoy the flippy things. Um, and then I kind of watched wrestling on and off from then, generally depending on, like, I would have, like, a friend who was particularly into wrestling that I spent a lot of time with, so we would watch a lot of wrestling. Yeah. Um, but I never really sorted out myself until until you, Ben, showed me the trailer for season two of Lucha Underground <laughs> and the recap of season one. 
and uh, I thought it looked fucking insane. I hope I'm allowed to... Are we allowed to swear on our podcast? Fuck yes. Cool. I thought it looked uh, flipping insane. <laughs> um, uh, and um, I loved the idea of like... Like a sort of... Really embracing the dumb soap opera of wrestling, but also having a dumb soap opera where one of the people is a dragon... And one of them is a meteorite that's taken human form. <laughs> and one of them is just a dead man controlled by a rock by a ghost lady. Um, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all of the like wildest things of wrestling condensed into, into a single show. Absolutely. Um, lots of Lucha flippy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think Lucha, kind of starting to watch that Lucha stuff. Like I'd I'd always I'd been interested for quite a while in like um, the luchador kind of movies and things like uh, Santo. Um, I I thought the masks were really cool and that kind of style was really yeah. cool. And um, yeah, something about Lucha Underground. Well, everything about Lucha Underground just really clicks with me. Um, Phoenix and Pentagon are still like my two favorite wrestlers, um, and that all comes from that. Um, and yeah, since then I I watched like loads of that. I watched NXT. Watch AEW nowadays and keep up with bits and pieces of Impact and I th- I, th- I think I of the three of us probably um I'm the one that's like bored reading lots of wrestling news and, <laughs> and seeing like oh MLW are doing like this thing that sounds kind of cool and I think it's fair to say that at the moment you are the one that watches most like wrestling week to week as well like oh yeah I, I'm I'm the masochist guy that skims through dark and finds like the good matches um. <laughs> And elevation. There's some good stuff. Matt, what about you? What's your wrestling history? Uh, I think like a lot of people um, that did not necessarily have Sky growing up, but did have a PlayStation Two. Um, <laughs> it's it's the it's the SmackDown. Here comes the pain. Was it the one with Brock Lesnar on the cover? Yeah, that's here comes the pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just just wrestling video games was like all I knew about wrestling. Um, I had a couple of friends that had like Sky on whenever I was around their house, and wrestling would just sort of be on in the in the front room on Saturday. But like, I'd always like like walk past the door with it on, and you're know, like in cartoons where someone walks past the door and their like head stays behind. I'd be like, <laughs> hey, they're doing the thing what they do on on the video game console. Um, <laughs> and then uh, just never really, um, I guess, didn't have much of a, a chance to watch wrestling until. Um, until later on in in uni, when I came round to um, when we went when we went around to uh, our friend's house and watched WrestleMania, oh, I want to say 2014, the one that that John Cena fights. Um, was it Bray Wyatt? Is that the one where John Cena like comes in on pins a Eric Rowan in? Wait, n- wait, no, that's where The Rock comes in with a flamethrower and pins Eric Rowan in like seven seconds. Oh, that was like 2015, I think, I think maybe John- 16. The 2016 was John Cena has the match with Rusev, and Rusev came in. Right, it was tank. Rusev. Right, that no, that was it because it was um, it was the like everything that you think of as like classic like. I don't know, 80s question mark wrestling of like the big, <laughs> the big American, American man guy. on an American tank <laughs> fighting Rusev, the fucking like the big foreigner dude. Um, and was like, oh my God, it's the, the stories, the scrolls, they were true. That's probably the high point of Rusev's WWE run. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, even with them playing into some 
not great stereotypes about nationalities and stuff. What WWE <laughs> and wrestling in general? <laughs> <What>? Wrestling, <laughs> wrestling. No. Um, it it was like Rusev was really good in that role until they made it silly, uh, and obviously that's fucking John Cena's thing forever is mm. like super American square jawed like the most baby faced of baby faces. Russo was clearly the best in that one picture that I found like 10 minutes ago where he was dressed as a hillbilly <laughs> that I have no context for. <laughs> that's obviously his best uh, best moment. I'm pretty sure that's from a South Pole regional wrestling sketch. I um, guess they're sketches. It's like a weird par- parody thing that, that they did that was cool. And um, the, the other person that I was like really drawn in was, um, was Bray Wyatt. I can't remember who he fought in that WrestleMania, but he he did his spooky uh, spider walk on his back thing, and I was like, "Oh, yo, they they brought out a new Undertaker, sick." There's <laughs> <laughs> something I can reach into. Was that the WrestleMania that he faced the Undertaker, or was it a, another? It's a lot of Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt that just all blurs together over the years. Yeah, just, too much. Just the feeling of disappointment that would follow after learning who Bray Wyatt was and thinking he was cool. The, yeah, they're <laughs> like, oh, this is cool. They're doing something cool with Bray Wyatt. Oh, no, they ruined it again. So, yeah, I, and then <laughs> after that, that WrestleMania was, like, you know, interested in, in watching it, wrestling with you guys, and um, definitely, uh, like, bouncing off of Jamie being the most hardcore of wrestling boys, uh, I am the... <laughs> probably the most casual fan. Um, yes, I think that's fair. Am I a hardcore wrestling boy? Yes, you are a hardcore wrestling boy. Wow. <laughs> wow, I'm so happy. Jamie Hardcore. <laughs> uh, so my my history of wrestling fandom starts at like six or seven in, in the, the late 90s when The Rock was huge. And I feel like every kid in my class loved The Rock. And it was just like obliged to at least know a little bit about wrestling and love the rock. Uh, and like Matt, I didn't have Sky, but my dad had Sky, so I could watch wrestling every couple of weeks when I was at my dad's. Uh, and it was like the the Saturday morning show for kids that like cut out some of the bits of matches and like had silly. St- I have a memory of a. Jimmy Wang Yang match with Sergeant Slaughter from when I was about eight or nine, which I'm sure was like horrific and racist. <laughs> uh, and I've kind of been like, was a casual wrestling fan all my life from then, like had some friends in high school that were, that were wrestling fans. So I'd go around and watch wrestling at their house and we'd like watch WrestleMania and maybe the Royal Rumble or SummerSlam. But I wasn't like watching Raw week to week until 20. 20- 12-ish, in some point in my early 20s when I had to move in with my dad for a while and so had access to Sky and could watch Raw and SmackDown and NXT every week and then was like, that was kind of it. I was like fully into wrestling again from that and have been, uh, like since then I switched to different promotions. I don't really watch that much WWE anymore other than the big shows but we all watch AEW every week I watch a decent amount of New Japan I like will flick in and out of oh uh, this is a cool indie thing I heard of or I've been slowly trying to like 
from from friends that watched wrestling in the the mid to late 2000s when like ring of honor and dragon gate and pro wrestling noah were at their like peak trying to get bits of that stuff that i missed that is my history with wrestling casual fan up until my early 20s and basically watching at least one wrestling show a week since then it's nice and regular yes unlike my bowels (laughs) (laughs) we have to stop the podcast (laughs) we're done I, I think we should pivot. I'm, I'm really liking this bowels thing. I feel like we're, um, I don't know, stealing Griffin McElroy's gimmick if we do that. <laughs> I'm going to eat a whole banana. Was that Griffin? I don't know. It was It was Griffin that ate a whole banana unpeeled. Yeah. Banana for the podcast. Just just assume that I'm doing that right now, I guess. Oh, uh, don't, don't give the internet. <laughs> they're, they're already doing it, but don't give them permission. <laughs> This episode's topic, John Moxley's IWGP United States Championship matches. For, for anybody that doesn't know, IWGP is what uh, New Japan like call most of their titles. They also have the Never Openweight titles. It stands for uh, International Wrestling Grand Prix. Anytime Grand Prix is used in a non-car context, it, it really throws me for a loop. You just think of Formula One. Yeah, I, I and I, I sort of, I just want like a, a wrestling kart game now, like a Mario <laughs> Kart game, but with the wrestlers. I think because the the governing body of New Japan only ever meet in cars on racetracks. <laughs> <laughs> so the United States Heavyweight Championship was created in 2017 as part of a New Japan expansion plan, and the the creation of the belt itself was partly a response to WWE uh, poaching. New Japan talent, particularly Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles, leaving Japan for WWE uh, and creating it when they did gave them a belt to put on Kenny Omega for a while before they were ready to have him finally beat Okada and uh, have the main belt in that company. But like, they didn't want to get him into a different feud for another belt, but they clearly wanted a belt on him because he was like one of the biggest stars in the company and was clearly the next guy to have the main title uh it's so it's a pretty young belt but some stats it's never been held by a japanese wrestler uh at the moment kenny omega and john moxley have the record for most title defenses they've both uh defended the belt four times uh moxley has the longest reign and the longest combined reign but i think that stat is really boosted by the fact that he had the title in the plague when yeah. he couldn't defend it for a year. Thanks, plague year. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. There's some like really big gaps in yeah in between some of these things. I, I think there's between our fourth and fifth match. There is over a year. Yeah, uh, and John Moxley and Juice Robinson are the current like most title runs both having held the belt twice so again new belt there aren't like big stats with it uh john moxley was born jonathan david good he uh started wrestling in 2004 wrestled the indie circuit uh like most notably ccw and dragon gate usa uh kind of made a name for himself on the indie circuit signed with wwe in april 2011 and was given the ring name dean ambrose uh 
spent some time in their developmental territory FCW and debuted on WWE's main roster on the 18th of November 2012 at Survivor Series as a member of The Shield. Uh, During his time at WWE, Dean Ambrose was a WWE champion, three-time Intercontinental champion, two-time Raw Tag Team champion, and a United States champion. Uh, Ambrose held that United States championship for longer than anyone else since it's been a WWE title, because it used to be a a WCW and maybe it was an NWA title as well. I don't, I can't remember, but uh, it was like a joke of how little it was defended by WWE standards of title defenses, which is much more frequent than a, a company like New Japan. It it was basically a prop for him to have as the Shield. It was such an afterthought. <laughs> Hello, that's... welcome to the company. Have this fucking belt, I guess. I don't know. We want you to feel important. That's most of the belts in WWE right uh, yeah. now. I feel like maybe not most, but it's a lot of them. I feel like even even I know what you're saying. I feel like even then they're given a little bit more uh, credence than than like it, it. He just sometimes would would not even bring it to the ring for Shield matches <laughs> and stuff. I suppose they're at least contested, and yeah. people have them, even if they have them for like two weeks and then lose them again. So, Dean Ambrose declined to renew his contract with WWE in January 29, 2019, wrestling his final match at the company on the 21st of April, before his contract expired on the 30th. Moxley cited frustration, so I, I'm going to switch to calling him John Moxley now, because that's the name he's used for most of his now. career. Uh, Moxley cited frustration with the creative direction of his character in WWE and came to dread promos which had previously been a favourite part of wrestling for him due to being forced to follow Vince McMahon's stupid ideas. Remember the whole thing about him they were telling him to say that uh, God had made Roman Reigns sick (laughs) um, to punish him like how could anyone be okay with doing that like, how could anyone think that was a good idea in the first place? But how could anyone be okay with, like, saying that about their friend? Yeah, the, their friend you know. that has gone into remission with leukemia. Yeah. And then he had to do, uh, on an episode of Talk It's Jericho, Moxley cited a segment in Milwaukee where he uh, had to get vaccinated to avoid catching anything from the fans. And he kind of viewed that as the last straw and that the character was irreparably damaged after yeah. that stuff. Uh So after leaving WWE, went back to using the ring name John Moxley, uh, first posting a video of him breaking out of prison on his Twitter account (laughs) to uh, to announce the the return of the Moxley gimmick. So this this is where I uh, I make my Chris Morris reference that like I don't know if anyone's going to get this, but um, (laughs) I wrote down a stupid quote about the character. (laughs) Um, So there's the they use it in the New Japan matches as well in uh, Moxley's intro video. It's the shot of him with his hood up and he's like clenching his fist with all barbed wire around it. Yep. And he looks so much like the Chris Morris character Fur Q, who is a who is a <laughs> rapper. His uh, his song is Uzi Lover, and the quote that I always like by him is you have to kill people to respect people. But you can't kill everyone, because then you won't have anyone left to respect. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, uh, what Chris Morris show is that character? Um, it was on the day to day. Right. Um which, I don't know, people seem to have seen Brass Island and stuff. This this is totally irrelevant, but it's... Every time I see it, I'm like, wait, why of? is Fur Q there? Oh, it's 
Moxley. Yeah. Is he in like? I'm just looking him up now. Is he in like tan face? He he is yeah in slight brown mm. face. Slight. It's not aged that well, maybe. No. Um, is it as bad as and and maybe you guys aren't gonna get this right? But the the Triple H uh, DX promo about the nation where he blackfaced to make fun of the Rock. I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably not. I would guess probably not. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, Moxley debuted his first match after leaving WWE or first appearance was uh, AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, he turned up unannounced at the show and attacked Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega after their match. Uh, and his first full match after leaving WWE was uh, uh, for New Japan, and that's the first match that we're going to be talking about. That's from the Best of the Super Juniors 26 finals on the 5th of June 2019, uh, where he wrestled Juice Robinson for, for Juice's US title. Uh, but before we go to that much, a little bit about Juice Robinson. Uh, Juice debuted in 2008, uh, wrestled on the indie circuit for a little while before signing with WWE in 2011, uh, where he was given the name CJ Parker, uh, who's in FCW, the, the developmental territory, at the same time as Ambrose, and they were kind of uh, friends, and like I think... Uh, Juice has talked about Ambrose taking him under his wing a little bit and like going to bars and like telling him stories of the road and stuff. There was some reference to that in one of the matches, the commentary team saying, probably overhyping a little bit, but like saying, you know, everything that uh, Juice Robinson learned in America, he learned at the at the <laughs> knee of John Moxley, um, which yeah, probably is over exaggerated, but they have some, they definitely they have definitely some history. They have a prior relationship. Yeah, as like a kind of indie veteran and a much younger wrestler, but both signed to FCW. Uh, so CJ Parker, as he was in, in WWE, had a very irritating, like, hippie eco-warrior gimmick. <laughs> and he kind of didn't really do a lot in, in... Well, he never went to the main roster, but he was on NXT TV and shows. And his kind of... His most noteworthy moment in NXT was losing to Kevin Owens in Owens' debut and managing to break Kevin Owens' nose and his own hand in oh, that match. No. <laughs> they referenced him breaking his hand, punching people in the face as well. Yep. In one of the matches. He's done it, he's done it on yeah. another occasion. He did it... Um, I, uh, Jay White broke his hand intentionally, or that was how they storylined it. Yeah, I think that was the one that they mentioned, actually. But I guess he has a history of that. <laughs> well, I guess when one of your special moves is just a big punch. Yes. Which... We'll get to that as well, but um, it's a danger of that. Juice left NXT in 2015 and signed to New Japan as a young lion, which is going through their their dojo system and training. And it's it's quite unusual for people that have like wrestled elsewhere and have like a, something of a career behind them to like go to the New Japan dojo and like it's it's very like. In a lot of ways, the New Japan Dojo, the impression I have of it at least, is like the uh, the martial arts dojo where you start out at the bottom and you're like cleaning and, and cooking and whatever for the the more senior people there. Uh, and it, like very built on, on kind of respect and tradition. How much of that do you think is like kind of a front 
for... oh that's definitely the image they want to project yeah but i think there is also and i mean there is definitely some history in wrestling with that anyway of like uh promotions having young boys that it's like uh rookie wrestlers that are supposed to carry the bags for veterans and kind of do stuff for them there's also they're always like a ringside with like water and stuff yeah, like that all the, aren't they? All the just, young lines yeah like uh part of their job is being at, at ringside and like stopping like moving the crowd out of the way of people going into the audience yeah. and being fucking attacked by by lance archer <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sure just fodder uh on the 7th of July 2018 at the G1 Special in San Francisco, Juice Robinson won his first championship in New Japan, beating Jay White for the United States uh, title. He was the first American to hold the belt because it's Kenny Omega, who's Canadian, and Jay White, who's uh, He's from, from Wales, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> from New Zealand. From New Zealand yeah. uh, was Juice the third person to have the belt? I think so. I think that's right. He He definitely held on to that, like, crusty like eco warrior kind of vibe yeah he had the dreadlocks for a long time and some weird costumes i mean the weird costumes he still has but i was gonna bring up the dreadlocks because at the start of um start of this this first match with moxley he comes out he's he's dressed as like the world's toughest toothpaste mascot (laughs) um And he's got like his big nightcap on. He's ready for bed. He's 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 reminding you you've got to brush your teeth before bed. Yeah. Um, and he comes out and he gets in the ring, and uh, and he pulls it off and his dreadlocks are gone. And I saw it and was like, I remember seeing this at the time, um, and thinking like, finally I can maybe take him a slightly seriously. <laughs> because like those those dreads weren't doing him any favors. Because he's got like a hood on right as well. It- it's like a long cap that you would expect the dreads to be in. Yeah, it's like a, it's just like a big tube. Because <laughs> his his normal tube. his normal vibe is kind of like, kind of like, uh, like a carnival a carnival hailer for Furbies. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> that is that's not inaccurate. He is he is a very brightly coloured, like jester man. At least in his costumes, he's even in his the the. Intro video for the second one, the second match, um, has the word flamboyant uh, prominently featured, yes. and they introduce him as the flamboyant Juice Robinson, which yeah. I think is appropriate. Big hit with the big hit with the ladies. Uh, he's he's a he's a nice looking young man, and he is a very like uh, I've I've got a lot of heart, and I, and I fight for what I believe in type babyface. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like he tries to, and, and, he, and he succeeds to to some extent, like to be a bit tougher against Moxley because just because of the character of like yeah. John Moxley and the way that he is. Um, and I mean, he does have like punching people really hard as part of his gimmick as well. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just maybe that's maybe he changed that a little bit for. The, this particular situation and i feel like uh he's come a long way he's i mean has absolutely come a long way from nxt but even from when i started watching new japan stuff in 2015 2016 when i started watching it regularly like the the couple of years from that to this first match that we're gonna gonna talk about really like 
melt like learned the the new japan kind of harder hitting style but kept his own character within that and like i think has kind of carved out a really good niche for himself that is cool to watch like a, a wrestler evolve over time like that mm, absolutely Match one, Juice Robinson, US champion versus John Moxley at Best of Super Juniors 26 at the Rio Goku Kokugigan. I might have mispronounced that. I don't Studio speak Japanese. You almost certainly did. Uh, it's Rio Gagotoku, or Like a Dragon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. In Tokyo. So. New Japan Pro Wrestling is the unofficial Yakuza <laughs> <laughs> Yes. They did have a bunch of New Japan guys in, in Yakuza 6, right? Yeah. Yes, I think it was 6. In one of them. Have yeah. you played six, Matt? No, unfortunately. Did you do you own six? I, I own the collector's edition of six, which comes <laughs> oh, with boy. two very nice whiskey tumblers that I have used for more time than I have looked at the box <laughs> of Yakuza Six Song of Life. Right. Okay. I, I got the PlayStation Hits version this weekend and I've not started it yet. <laughs> you may learn over time that Matt has something of a history buying nice things for for themselves that's not a character trait i don't know <laughs> uh, and especially like buying buy video games and then maybe not playing them look uh, yakuza is a is a womb that i that i want to just <laughs> okay. return to uh whenever the world gets too dark and i need to crawl into something warm and comforting this is a weird way to phrase this gang video game yeah, I, I wish I hadn't picked. I admittedly wish I hadn't picked that metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> you could have gone like it's a comfy blanket. You get but back no, in. The... I'm going to crawl back into the womb of Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> Not warm and dry, warm and moist. Mm. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, the, the way we're going to do this, I will like uh, kind of read through a match recap, and if you guys have any comments, feel free to to jump in at any time. So, uh, John Moxley and Juice Robinson start the match by trading forearms. Moxley runs to the ropes, gets hit, gets hit with an elbow. Juice goes to run the ropes himself and gets a knee to the gut, followed by a lariat sending Juice to the outside. Suicide dive from Moxley sends Robinson over the barricade and into the announcers. This is the point. I'm going to interrupt you already. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> this is the point where when we were watching it together the other week, which was the second time I'd watched it, where I asked uh, the, I think, Valley question, like, what even are the rules in this match? Because yeah. it's it's Red Shoes, right? It's, um, it's Red Shoes, who's the but like, referee in New Japan. There's just, there's no count. I don't think they count at all in this match. Um, <laughs> so, oh, no, wait, no, there is. There is one, because um, I've made a note of it. I can see a 19 in my, uh, the, yeah. in my notes. Yeah. They tend not to count if both people are on the outside and actively like still fighting each like, other. Like I'm not, I, it's it's not a complaint about the match. I think that generally in title matches like this, that's a that's the good way to go. You don't want to you don't want a, a DQ loss because someone hits someone with a chair, or you don't want you know you don't want a, dub, a count <laughs> double count out finish. It's it's not a it's not a WWE title a- match. Occasionally, you might want a double count out finish for variety. Maybe sometimes, but not. It's also not worth, in this situation. Uh, that's not how you change. That's not how you move the title from one person to another. Sure, and and in New Japan, actually, like WWE have the uh, the champions' advantage that doesn't exist in New Japan. You can yeah. lose a title through disqualification or countout. I wondered about that, yeah, because it, it came up again with 
with the commentary that yeah one of the commentators was like oh is he gonna win by counters like yeah he could he could <laughs> he might do sometimes i feel like um sort of the harshness of the referee in wrestling is predicated on like how bad are the boys in the ring? <laughs> like, oh man, John Moxley's a pretty bad boy. I better give them lots of leeway on. Like, imagine if any other sport, if if like a football, if a if a soccer, um, for the Americans out there. What if it was like? Uh... What if like Millwall? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more their fans than the team, though, isn't it? Didn't didn't Vinny Jones play for Millwall? Oh, I... Fuck knows. I I don't think any of us know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, there are, maybe they're a really lovely gentle team, but then he played for them for oh, like that's... however long he played, and it just screwed, skewed the average forever. I, I know... He when, played for the juggernaut, bitch. I know when Millwall <laughs> played Carlisle when I was like 17, there were fucking riot police all over the city because they expected shit to kick off because of Carlisle has something of a hooliganism problem, and Millwall definitely has a hooliganism problem. And this is why wrestling is better than football. Uh... Yeah, wrestling fans have never been hooligans. <laughs> <I>, no. <laughs> I certainly prefer wrestling to football. I yeah, did, because I, it's better. I did once. Someone tried to recruit me into the the, the Carlisle United firm. The, Look, here's here's the uh, here's the the important question: Did David Beckham ever uh, suplex anyone off the top rope? Weirdly, yes. Uh, apparently yes. Did no, he? I, no, <laughs> no. I may have missed football. I don't think football has top ropes. <laughs> they got a goal or something, right? It's got ropes. Oh, how fucking sick would it be if they like bounced off the ropes to do a corner? <laughs> I would enjoy it <laughs> for a moment, and then yeah. go back to being bored. Where's the the like baseball, but for football? Soccer. Flut. Slocker. Slocker, yeah. Slocker, yeah. <laughs> that is what it would be. Uh, not to be Jim Cornette or Jim Ross. Oh, no, don't, don't be Jim Cornette. I try not. <laughs> <laughs> but I I love New Japan. I have a little bit of a problem, and it's not exclusive to them. It's kind of all of modern wrestling. I like hard and fast rules, because then you know when someone breaks them. Sure. And... Like you can get heat for breaking the rules and getting away with it as a heel if there are clear rules. I I think at least New Japan are better about not doing like fucky like oh th- this is against the rules that we only just remembered because we want to do a spot that about like oh this person lost in this way because of a rule that we normally don't enforce like they're at least consistent in how lax they are with the rules. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. It was one of the things that appealed to me when I started watching like New Japan matches, mainly because, so oh, this Kenny Omega guy is cool, I'll watch some of his matches. But it's like, oh, well, they got some tables out and stuff, and the referee was like, don't do that, but also <laughs> I won't stop you from doing that. Yeah, th- there's lots of like um... ref- referees kind of trying to be like, no, no, that is naughty. Oh, I guess you did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's done now. Um, I'm sure you'll apologise later. Uh, where were we? Suicide dive from Moxley sends Robinson over the barricade and into the announcers. Moxley follows into the crowd as the young lions do their best to usher people to safety. Moxley, the dirty bugger, bites <laughs> Juice's eyebrow and follows up with punches and elbows to the left eye. Put one mark on the biting tally. Ongoing bite count. <laughs> <laughs> uh... 
He's clearly doing his damnedest to open Juice up. They brawl into the aisle. Moxley tries to pile drive Robinson but gets backdrop. Juice heads up to the scaffolding above the entrance and flips down onto Moxley and the Young Lions, almost entirely overshooting Moxley. Yeah, just onto his ass. He kind of. Yeah. They're they're kind of like their their shoulders sort of briefly connect and he just slides off Moxley's back onto the ground. It's um <laughs> it's the first of many times that Juice Robinson will just go a little bit too hard in a big move. I, this one in particular, I feel like maybe isn't entirely on Juice because it seems like looking at the replay like Mox is running backwards and like maybe he was a bit too far forwards for the maybe, spot yeah. and like slightly out of position but it's definitely like it's kind of something that I think they maybe should have not chosen to replay because you could really Oh, see. from a different angle where you can see even more clearly that he completely missed. Yeah. Um, it did lead to one of the um, moments I always enjoy in wrestling where they both fall down. Moxley falls down for some reason and then he just like Jesus puts Robinson his hand on flipped right onto him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flipped right over him. Um and, and Moxley just like puts his hand on him and just like checks he's okay for a second. Yeah. <laughs> like I always and you know because you know wrestling's I don't I, I hate to break this to you two both, but wrestling's like not real. Um so those little moments where you can see yeah. that like just just making sure that they're alright. I to don't know. I find those quite pleasing. To paraphrase Mick Foley, it's predetermined, but it's still real. <laughs> yes, I, I'm. I, I defer to Mr. Foley um, on that. But but yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, we we enjoy the violence in the safety of a like consensual, fictionalized like it's a an athletic performance art piece. Absolutely, and death matches are still a thing, and people still come out of those just fucking bleeding from every yes. part of their body. So. And yeah, I shouldn't the, say it's not real. It, it clearly takes a toll on your body to like yeah. just taking a bump in the ring or running into the ropes is like absolutely do that again and again. I could not do it, and I respect the people who can. Yeah, like I feel like any like any fucker can like pile drive a person, but it's pile driving a person in a way that doesn't give them a horrible concussion. Yeah, yeah, that makes sure their head doesn't connect with the ground. But yeah, but it still looks like it did. But it, it looks still like looks it cool, should yeah. have fucking killed them. And yeah. yeah. That's it. Wrestling can't be totally real because it's not ideal for people to die in most matches. And that's why I hate New Jack. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, really? you know, stabbing someone in the ring is like quite a good gimmick, though, right? Fuck off. Oh, I hate him so much. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm I'm sorry to any of New Jack's family or friends that miss him. Personally, I'm not sad that he's dead. He seemed like a bad person. Yeah. Yeah, the replay shows that Mox was pretty far forward and clearly trying to get back. Uh, Robinson gets to his feet uh, first and picks up Moxley, slamming him into a weird lighting post thingy before getting him into a headlock and dragging him back towards the ring. Sorry, one other thing that I've just noticed in my notes that I That's wrote fair. down because it made me laugh. Um, one of the commentators, I, d- I don't know who they are, um, says, it looks like he caught more of the floor than Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. What what um what accent did the commentator have? Do you remember? Just an American, like standard American announcer guy. It's American standard. Either Kevin Kelly or Rocky Romero on that match. It though. might have been Kevin. Kevin Kelly is the the main play by play English commentator on New Japan, and then they have uh, Rocky Romero a bunch. Uh, there's G- Gino Gambino. He, he wrestled on Elevation this week. It was yes. A good match. Yeah. 
was good. Ch- uh, childish? I think it's Gino Gambino, the the Australian guy. It's Gino something. I might be misremembering. One of the and, all-time great names, I think. And Chris Charlton is uh, the the English guy that is uh, a translator as well as a like additional commentator. Whoever it was, they said a good thing that yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> cut, cut more of the floor than Moxley is definitely a good line. <laughs> yep. At ringside, Juice throws Moxley throat first into the barricade, picks him up, tosses him at another barrier, and takes a run up for a cannonball, but Mox dodges out of the way. While Juice is selling his collision with the barrier, Moxley goes for some more dirty, dirty biting <laughs> before fleeing Juice into the ring. Two that's, marks that's on two the on the bite count. <laughs> oh, Take a shot. I mean, I guess there's more, there's more than one bite in each biting episode. He's like sure. gnawing at his eyebrow. But it's, it's it's two instances of biting. Yes. As Juice is getting back to his feet, Moxley chop blocks him back to the mat and drags him to the corner to smash his knee into the ring post a few times before jumping back into the ring, hitting a neck breaker and pinning Juice for a two count. As soon as Robinson kicks out, Moxley's on top of him, punching his left eye and biting the eyebrow once again. Three... There's a lot. I I have noted there is plenty of blood now. Yep. (laughs) This is the quality of my notes. (laughs) It's a good note. (laughs) Also, Uh, um, I think this is. I've written. I think it's around this point. Juice tells the ref to shut the fuck up. Oh, that's. I I definitely have. Oh, have you written that down? Is that a little bit later? Okay. Um, Continue. Well, spoilers. (laughs) I might. If I can be bothered, splicey, splicey some of the like in-match audio from people yelling yeah, at referees and stuff. There, there is a lot of it. It seems like, like John Moxley, just in any given match, will call someone a motherfucker <laughs> yeah. at least like two or three times, <laughs> or call himself a motherfucker, or call a table a motherfucker. <laughs> like to call the match a motherfucker. Call the match a motherfucker. Yeah, um, he, he's gonna do it. Moxley bows to the crowd a couple of times, then goes back to put Juice in a single leg Boston Crab. I wasn't sure, like, some of the Moxley bowing stuff in New Japan feels mocking. That one, I'm not sure if it was or not. It just felt like he just bowed at them. It definitely it definitely varies. I, f- I feel like when he's bowing to his opponent, it's, a lot of the time, it's mocking. Yes. Especially, like, I mean, we're, we're not there yet, but in the Kenta one where he, like, bows and then it's like, oh, yep. That, Double that's, middle fingers. Yeah, that's definitely a fucking. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I think to the, I think to the crowd, it's genuine. Puts Juice in a single leg Boston Crab, switches to a chin lock, then starts pulling at Juice's nose and face. It's, you could see Juice Robinson's nostrils like clawed <laughs> wide, wide open. Uh, and did you enjoy that, Ben? <laughs> I did a lot. I was just like, mm, look at that gaping nostril. <laughs> I thought you would. <laughs> This allows Juice to get his chompers on Moxley's fingers. Moxley throws an elbow into Juice's head to get him off. So that's some biting, but not from Moxley, and I think more justified. Yeah. It's not like actively biting you because I want to bite you. It's get your hands off me. I'm going to bite them if they get in my mouth. There's a half mark on the biting tally. Yeah. Juice is on his knees and dazed as Moxley throws straight rights at his head, then hits the ropes and gets caught by a spinebuster from Juice. Robinson musters all of his energy to mount Moxley and rains down punches as Moxley does his best to cover his head. The referee, Red Shoes Uno, calls for the break and Moxley manages to crawl to the corner, but Juice is on him again with more punches to the head. Red Shoes again calls for them to break, eliciting a very uncharacteristic SHUT THE FUCK UP from Juice Robinson. SHUT THE FUCK UP! Oh, not a baby... Oh, 
He's he's angry boy. He's gonna get fired by Aquafresh. <laughs> well, if a big swaggering boy just like bit my face and hand a whole bunch, I think I wouldn't be on my like on my Sunday best behavior. I also, speaking of referees and rules and stuff, I feel like the referees in New Japan in particular are more willing to get in the face of people and like go, no, that is a bad thing. You shouldn't do that. And I feel like Western referees and certainly WWE referees seem a bit more ineffectual. Not that the referees in New Japan are always paid attention to, but there seems like a bit more respect to the referee. It was um, it was kind of Aubrey Edwards' thing, wasn't it? For a while, that she would really get in like Chris Jericho's face and tell him like tell him no, (laughs) Um, no, stop that! You can't do that. Which I think is one of the things that. Made her quite enjoyable to, to watch as yeah. a referee and like stand out as a referee. With Moxley slumped in the corner, Robinson signals the cannonball, but Moxley evades and slides <laughs> out of the ring. Juice immediately launches himself over the top rope at Moxley. Both men take a second to catch their breath and get their bearings before getting to their feet. Moxley catches Juice in a headlock, but Juice escapes and slams Mox dick first into the barricade, then hits him with a big old lariat. Mox really sells that, like, he's really clutch in his crotch. Yes. He's he's doing he's not going full like Nia Jax, oh my hole. Um, <laughs> or or uh, but, uh, pass my balls. <laughs> yeah. Yes! I know I saw it! You should have won a cup! One thing I really enjoyed watching these is um John Moxley is very exaggerated sometimes when he's selling. Yes. It, particularly in the Kenta match I noticed it a lot. But um I I enjoy his exaggerated facial expressions. <laughs> Back in the ring, a huge lariat to the throat uh, knocks Moxley off his feet. Juice takes a second to catch his breath before hitting his opponent with a juice box or a <laughs> double knee gut buster. But it's got to be juice related. It does, yeah. I don't I don't know why the juice box for that. Uh, I guess you're kind of you're kind of like compressing it like you might do with a. An empty carton of Ribena at the end, mm. like the way it squashes up. Yeah, okay, sure. Or like stamping it to like get all the juice out, like people do in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when you finish your carton of Ribena, you slam it onto your knees <laughs> to <laughs> crush if, it. If you missed any juice, you punish yourself with sticky knees. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Robinson climbs to the top rope, but before he can leap, Moxley shoves him off to the outside. That's a really funny little fall as well. It's I like, really like that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, he does a similar thing in the Kenta match where Kenta goes for a springboard and he's like, "Nah," just pu- <laughs> just pushes him off. Denied. The, the camera angle on that one, you just like just, just, just sliding disappear. out of the frame. It's, it was very, very pleasing. Lion King. Yeah. Did you say very Lion King? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I understood that reference. <laughs> That's the first movie I ever saw in the cinema. That's the, I was newly alive. The last time I made an effort to see a Disney movie. <laughs> at, at the age of six, you were cynical and hated <laughs> Disney movies. I was 28 years old. <laughs> Moxley pulls a table from under the ring and is admonished by Red Shoes. He apologizes, then immediately clobbers Juice with a chair. It's one of those, uh, one of those adorable little tiny New Japan tables that they have. They're very thin. They're very, they're very. St- they're, they're shorter Narrow. and narrower than like the. But they the, look meaner than the like do. the like wet paper or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I think I the, mean they're all like 
all of wrestling tables are fucking cheap as shit folding tables. That yeah, they're like absolutely. trestle tables, aren't they? But like, catering. just all the metal parts of them look like heavier. Yes. Thicker, like um, yeah. A nasty like... surprise hidden under the wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the wood itself is just like the corners look sharper as well. The chairs look a little yeah. nastier as well. They look the like chairs look quite heavy yeah. in New Japan. They do. Nice padded seats though. <laughs> Having set Juice up on the table, Mox goes to work on his left eye again before taking a running jump off the apron and smashing Juice in the face with a chair, then suplexing Juice into the half-collapsed table. That Mo- was pretty nice. Yeah, that was a, a good series of just, oh, Mox is going to fuck you up now for a bit. Um, the way he went through the table as well was like, just looked rough. Like, yeah. kind of his feet stuck through it and stuff. It, it Yeah, it looked nasty. It was, it was effective, very effective up there. Moxley jumps back into the ring and calls on Red Shoes Uno to begin counting Juice Robinson out. So that's one of the, like, they don't get counted out if they're both, like, on their feet and still going at each other on the outside. If if they're both down, the referee will probably start counting. If somebody gets back in the ring and someone else isn't getting up, they'll definitely start a count. Yeah, it makes sense. you got to do it once, haven't you? <laughs> they, and they'll frequently tease, oh, is, is this a title going to change on a count out and have someone, like just barely make it in, which that's a standard wrestling spot, any kind of count. You've got to have people just make it back. I also think I I prefer the 20 count to the 10 count because the 10 count where you can just leave like an eternity of room between each count. One. Um, I think the average 10 count is probably longer than a New Japan 20 count. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like one, two, Three and they're like it really. I think it builds tension better than the kind of slow rhythm of. Yeah. I, th- I think I agree. Out. So as as Juice Robinson is like trying to get back to his feet, some young lions helpfully point out where the ring is, and he manages <laughs> to make it back in just at the count of nineteen. <laughs> there's there's a definite like pointing towards the ring as he is like trying to get up, and I, we're like, I don't think that's the thing that's keeping. I think he knows where it is. He can't stand up. <laughs> is it this? Is it this match or is another one that uh, Renderito was? Uh, Maybe that was the second Juice Robinson one. I don't know. I, I remember pointing. I can't out, remember. But... Renderito was definitely a young lion yeah. at this era, so it would make sense for him to be at ringside in some of these matches. Yeah, it might have been this one. It it might have been. I I don't have it noted down. No, I I also did not note it down. Uh, but I watched him wrestle on elevation as well, and he <laughs> seems like he's all right. Yeah. Yeah, he, he seems like he's got a nice future ahead of him. Yeah. Moxley lifts Juice up for a release suplex, which flips Juice around as he comes crashing to the mat with a big thud. That's like, he properly does a flip uh, that is a, from, out of that suplex. Yeah, that, that was something from this that I, I really definitely wanted to like talk about, because it's... I, I don't know. I, I probably have seen that done before, but it just... It's just really surprising. Yeah. You know, he gets him up and, like, just, like, oh, I'm not going to hit the mat. And just, yeah, just tosses him down again. It, <laughs> again, it looks it looks really rough. And, um, I, and I think Juice did a good job of selling it and, like, making making that flip, like, really a full yeah, like, yeah. rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also manages to catch Mox's head with his foot on the way down. <laughs> sure. Where you see, like, I don't think that was intentional. You just see Moxley kind of quickly go... Um, yeah one of my one of my favorite things in the match Mox goes for the pin uh, but only gets a two count 
He pulls Juice to the corner for another dose of knee smashing on the ring post before locking Juice into a figure four leg lock around the post. Red Juice starts to count for the break and Mox releases the hold. Juice half rolls, half falls out of the ring and Moxie folds a chair over Juice's knee then climbs up to the second rope, preparing to jump down and crush the knee. But Red Shoe tells him off and as the two are arguing, Juice gets to his feet, throws the chair at Moxie's head and runs away, stumbling around to the other side <laughs> of the ring. It's another really nice moment. It is. It's a good, like, aha, got you. <laughs> yeah. It almost feels petty the way he throws the it chair. Does. And then runs away. Yeah. Something about, like, lobbing a chair feels so much more, like, I don't know, wild and dangerous to me than, than like, than, like swinging a chair down on a person's head. Something about like it oh, just yeah. sailing through the air and thinking, ah, oh, it's just gonna like crack against him. <laughs> remember, remember Matt Hardy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably better not to, but it's just never remember it can, Matt it can Hardy's go, existence. It can go wrong. Matt Hardy's doing cool stuff at the moment. Matt Hardy does great character work. Yeah, he's he's doing good character work right now and letting other people wrestle for him, which is probably which is for the best. For the best, yeah. I think he's said that he would like to have a final like tag run with his brother before retiring which would be nice I think that would be cool yeah I'd like to see the Hardys and the Young Bucks would yeah. be fun yeah like you know the the team that inspired them to be a team I guess brothers versus brothers yeah <laughs> uh, and then also <laughs> I don't know throw the side L's in don't, mm. don't do that you, you can, but it will add nothing. It, it really won't. <laughs> Juice running lariat, so dazed Moxley into the corner and sets up for a cannonball. But I have no idea what I've what I was intended to write here. I've got a weird typo in my notes. <laughs> oh no! Oh, he does a weird stuttering run that allows uh, Moxley to like catch him with a lariat of his own. It's a weird like he clearly wasn't going to actually hit him with the cannonball the way he's running up on him. Sure. That, that maybe is only noticeable because I've watched the match four times now and like was pausing and starting again to write notes. <laughs> I, yeah, it didn't make it into my notes, so I maybe didn't. I don't think I did notice that at all. Moxley hits him with lariat. They're both flat on the back on the mat. The crowd is chanting, "Let's go, Moxley!" Robinson uses red shoes Uno for support as he pulls himself to his feet. Moxley and Juice are both struggling to stay upright as they slug each other with big forearms then headbutts and fists. Juice hits a flurry of right jabs, then goes for the left hand of God, but gets kicked in the chest. Mox tries for a death rider, but Juice charges, and both men go over the ropes and fall to the outside. I think, uh, Matt, you mentioned having something about the left hand of God, or not quite, like, getting why the left hand of God is a big thing. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. <laughs> so, having a punch as a special move is crap, isn't it? Ah, uh, unless I, unless you're Anthony Gogo and you're <laughs> a, you know, and you're a legitimate Olympic boxer, like no no one's going to be like, oh, you know, you know, special, you know, what finishing move I really like the women's right. It's great. Um, it's just it's just a punch. You, you do would, loads of punches, like oh, but bring, he punched with his other fist. You would bring Lacey Evans into this to make it harder for me to defend. <laughs> I would, <laughs> obviously, because it helps me win the argument. <laughs> uh, I think I don't mind. I I don't mind the left hand of God because it feels like 
like yes there are lots of other punches and strikes and like to go back to rules again that the kind of shouldn't be closed fists at all <laughs> no slaps only it's the one thing that gets me about the revival it's um no flips just fists but you're supposed to be like <laughs> old school wrestling guys you should be slapping yeah no should... fists just forearms yeah chops and forearms yeah uh but but I feel like it, it is it is definitely on the theatrical side, but the like juice hitting a bunch of like quick rights and then setting up for the big left, I think is a fun like crowd spot of when the left hand of God hits. It's and like it's a long enough wind up that people tend to like there tends to be a few moments of like, Oh, he's gonna hit the Oh no, they they got around behind him and suplexed him or it's yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's not as I suppose it's not a finisher. It's like it's a it's a it's just a big move that's yeah, gonna do pull, a lot of damage. Pulp friction and it's his finisher. Yeah. Which is another <laughs> juice. I like that name a lot. <laughs> I am not, not super keen on that move, but uh, I like yeah. that name. Pulp friction is a great name. The move is fine. Yeah. Also, while we're on it, Death Rider, uh isn't there's some weird like it's the paradigm shift in AEW because New Japan copyrighted Death Rider so that they can sell Death Rider merch and he's known as Death Rider John Moxley as, yeah. as well. Um, um, but Death Rider is a way better name for that like elevated double underhook DDT. I I, I think the paradigm, I like shift, paradigm is fine, shift as well. But... It's maybe Death Rider is more appropriate for that particular move. I think. Yeah, but paradigm shifts are good. I think paradigm shift is fitting as a like. I, I was in a different place, and I'm. You have an idea of what I am, but I am something else. Yeah, yeah. Also, weird distinction on finishes, but I quite like that he will do like a non-elevated double underhook DDT that isn't a Death Rider. It it's only when it's elevated that it's the full Death Rider, yeah, and it's yeah. like the protected finisher. Yes, definitely. Um, I think. Suzuki kicks out of a Death Rider, but that's Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Like, not not many people kick out of a Death Rider. No, no. Moxie sets up a table, much to Reggie's ineffectual consternation. <laughs> he picks up Juice on his shoulder to lawn dart him into the table. Juice escapes, and a left hand of God leaves Mox slumped against the table. Juice runs up and cannonballs right over Moxie's head into the table. This is another one, like... Definitely bad aim, but Mox was slumped pretty low. It's like it feels like it's quite a hard thing to do a cannonball that low. Like yeah. I'm putting most of this one on Juice, but he I, looks yeah. so excited. He does. He's real. He's real hyped up that he's gonna finally hit this cannonball. Like, he's thought about <laughs> this spot for days, <laughs> and like it's like the fourth point in the match where he's like, yeah, I'm going to hit a cannonball, and Mox escapes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to hit a cannonball. Oh, Mox has slid out the ring. Even when Mox isn't supposed to escape the cannonball, he escapes the cannonball. <laughs> I Somewhere in my notes, I think the first one I put, does does Juice ever land a single cannonball? Um, which, spoilers for later, maybe he does. <laughs> this, is, this is the bit, um, another bit that I really liked. <laughs> Um, which was uh, the table didn't break. Yep. And Juice gets back up. Obviously, he, he's supposed to have been like the guy that's done damage from that move. And he picks, grabs the table, and he's like, "I'm breaking this motherfucker." Yes, it, that is really <laughs> um, good. And sets it up for what I assume is like an impromptu power bomb. 
Yeah, I I have to imagine he was like, I'll just power bomb you through it. Yeah, yeah, we got, we'll do this. It'll be cool. Okay. <laughs> you know. Uh, and the crowd are like, juice, juice, juice. <laughs> which is, it's always fun to have a crowd that like gets behind both wrestlers. Yeah, I think it's easy to get behind both of them in this match. Yes. Um, and in in a lot of these matches, I think, um, which is which is always nice. It's it's always nice when you can root for both people, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and uh, like, I guess in a very typical like face heel dichotomy moxley is the heel in this match and he's more of a kind of tweener character versus juice robinson's very like white meat baby face but i also think that wrestling can have more nuance than that than like uh, i think people get very hung up on like who's the face and who's the heel and you can have like while it's an organic thing of these two characters, it makes sense for them to uh, like have a match against each other or have a feud because they disagree without either of them clearly being the bad guy and the good guy. Oh, and people definitely. will still want to see it because they sympathize with one of them more than the other. It's it's needlessly limiting, I think, to have to have one one person be like a dick and the other person just be not a dick. Like be, be Hulk Hogan. I th- yeah, I think the like, real dick. You can have matches like just a recent example you can have Hikaru Shida versus Tai Conti where they've been tagging together and they're friends and it's like this is just mutual respect and yeah. like and it's kind of a friendly competition but whilst they're whilst they're fighting they're fighting and i think yeah. i think if you're going to build an entire feud out of that that probably develops into something more and you maybe have to bring sure. like oh i i still respect you but it, i need to like overcome you at this point in my career or mm. yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have to be a clear like one well, well now i am a bad guy because you <laughs> yeah, are the good guy it's storytelling yeah. and it's like a fake it's like a fake sports league basically like you uh, can just have interesting differences of philosophy come out through the fighting that don't have to be i think you're a dick no i want to be a dick <laughs> <laughs> i really liked going back to NXT from a while, 2013 or something, uh, where uh, Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, uh, Neville was the NXT champion, and Zayn had like repeatedly not managed to beat him for the championship, and was like, uh, the storyline was kind of you're you're too nice to like give what it takes to win the belt, but but it didn't make Neville a heel. He was just like, I'm willing to be ruthless. It doesn't make me a bad guy, but you're not willing to be ruthless, and I am. He had not yet become Dude, we're the fighting. bastard. Yeah, he hadn't yet become the bastard pack. <laughs> Anyone that can get announced for the ring as <laughs> he is a bastard. So, <laughs> two things going against you. One, you're too nice. Two, I can flip 530 degrees in the air. <laughs> yep. What a ridiculous man. And then <laughs> one land perfectly every time. Just a human Catherine wheel. Yeah, most times, yeah. What a ridiculous little Geordie Goblin. The Goblin King. The Goblin King. Pack is the Goblin King. <laughs> He's David Bowie from that one movie. Yep. Robinson gets back, uh, gets Moxley back in the ring and puts him in a Boston Crab. Moxley strains to reach for the rope but gets dragged back to the center of the ring. Mox manages to struggle free, keeping hold of Juice's ankle for a dragon screw, then applying a Texas cloverleaf. Now it's Robinson trying to crawl to the ropes and getting dragged back into the middle of the ring. Moxley stands up to adjust the hold, giving Juice just enough room to turn and grab Moxley and bite him. Dirty, filthy blackguard. 
left. <laughs> That's one and a half times to... To Moxie's three at this point, was it? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> also, as we'll find out later, Moxley supposedly permanently... Permanently... Uh, scarred <laughs> Juice Robinson by biting his eye. I mean, there was quite a bit of blood. I'm, I'm not yeah. surprised that there is something of a scar. Yeah, it's maybe not permanent, but yeah. yeah. With his submission hold broken, Moxley grabs Robinson's leg for a takedown, but Juice stays upright and hits Mox with a somewhat sloppy left hand of guard. Juice signals he's going for pulp friction or a inverted double underhook facebuster. Moxley escapes, looks for Death Rider. Juice rolls him into a schoolboy pin for a two count. Both men run at each other with lariats. Mox scouts a left hand of God with a quick kick to the knee, followed by a double arm DDT, which gets him a near fall. Juice is still on the canvas, and Moxley is kind of moxing out. He's doing his, like. He's rolling his shoulders. Rolling his shoulders. And and he's yeah. doing his strength dance. Yeah. It proves that he's he's part Resident Evil character. You know how they always like dance walk at you so you can't hit their head. Certainly, all the lichens in in Village do. Yeah, just... I guess the the zombies like kind of dance shamble. Those moldy guys from Seven were were really good at just like oh you're aiming and then suddenly no I'm over here now. Whoa! Whoa! Am I shambling? Am I doing this on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> I find knows. that John when when John Moxley is like is like. Because there's like a scale of John Moxley. There's like kind of baby-faced John Moxley. I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna hit you hard and fast, but I'm like you know I'm like a puppy. I'm a good boy. <laughs> and, th- and then there's like swagger boy John Moxley, just with his like <laughs> maximum groove, <laughs> and he really like turns it up whenever he's going against someone like you know when he's got someone like Juice or someone like someone with like a little bit of swagger to give back. Just moving like he's a dime bag Daryl riff. That's a. Neither, I don't know what neither that of you are Pantera fans. <laughs> oh, I still don't know what that means. So yeah, Mox Mox is out. Death Rider, one two three. That's it. Twenty four fourteen. John Moxley is the new IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. One match. Go one, one match. match. Down. One match down, maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe this will be a two part episode. Possibly, because. Uh... This has taken one hour and eight minutes. <laughs> to, to simulate uh, following this series of matches, we're actually going to wait as long between recordings oh, as Christ. they did between the matches. We are. Uh, the next match is against Lance Archer. How uh, much later is this? Then? So so in between, this was... Um, there was the Typhoon. Yes. Which meant that Moxley couldn't appear um, at... I forget what the event was, but it, it meant that he couldn't make it for his title defense, so it was vacated. Also in this time, um, before that, was his elbow injury, which then got infected, which led to him missing his first intended match against Kenny Omega in AEW, which was then replaced with Kenny Omega versus Pac, the first of a really good series of matches between them, um, and like Pac's surprise return after everyone thought he'd just given up for some reason and not joined yeah there were there were there were a few different kind of factors at work i guess yeah, that the, made this take a while because of the typhoon and because moxley was unable to make a match that he was booked for the title was stripped and lance archer and juice robinson had a match for the vacant title which archer won uh moxley challenged archer for like, I never lost this belt. I feel a little bit bad for for Archer. That he's when you look at the list, he's like the shortest reigning 
champion. I think, um, isn't... but he was he was very much like an interim champion, and and maybe if he hadn't left New Japan, he might have got it back at some point. You never. I mean, he was to to jump forward. He was in the crowd. Him and Jake the Snake were in the crowd in the Yuji Nagata match. They were, so, weren't they? Yeah. So so maybe they'll be in contention again now that New Japan and AEW have a like seemingly a, a better relationship. That is quite possible. Rocky Romero was there too. Maybe Rocky Romero will challenge for <laughs> it. I, I I don't think that's likely. No, me neither. Lance Archer, born Lance Hoyt, wrestled his first match in July 2000. He signed with TNA in 2004, where he was used as a bodyguard for Kid Cash and VKM. VKM was uh, the New Age Outlaws uh, in T- in TNA uh, because it's the the initials of Vince McMahon, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh-huh. but it but it was supposed to stand for Voodoo Kin Mafia, which is some dumb shit. It's <laughs> extremely dumb shit. Later in TNA, he was part of the Rock and Rave Infection under the name Lance Rock, which is a, a comedy rock band gimmick where he and his partner Jimmy Rave uh, like played on Guitar Hero controllers while their manager Christy Hem uh, like just screamed into a microphone. Can I get a fucking wow. dudes rock in chat? Jesus Christ, that's so good. Archer signed with WWE in 2009 and wrestled on their ECW brand using the name Vance Archer. He's in the SmackDown vs. Raw 2011 game. It's the covert. only video game he's in so far. <laughs> Isn't it... Didn't they also, like, he signed with WWE, and they were like, oh, you've got to shave your beard off and cut your hair. I think that was... That's right, um, yeah. Just look like anyone else. <laughs> just look like a big, bland man. Yeah, yeah. A weird move. I mean, he is a very big man. He's got that, at least. Oh, he's huge. He's a he's a very large Christian man. <laughs> <laughs> After the ECW brand was dissolved, Archer was briefly in a tag team with Kurt Hawkins, who you guys might remember as the guy who had a fucking, like, how many matches in a row have I lost gimmick. <laughs> the guy that's got kids? No, that's um, Heath Slater. Oh, right. Uh, but they also bad, so tag team together up. as well. <laughs> and they're both, like, ginger. Yeah. Basically the same person. I think Kurt Hawkins is probably a bit better than Heath Slater. Do you remember when uh, all those WWE releases happened and uh, Cody got asked in a press conference, like, oh, you're going to sign Heath Slater then? He was like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, no to Heath Slater. <laughs> yeah, I have... This is unsubstantiated. I have heard some stuff about Heath Slater. Okay. Maybe not being the coolest guy. That's very. That's so insubstantial that it could not possibly be substantiated. Like maybe being a real creep to some ladies. Okay. Okay. Well, I said ladies and not women. Then that felt creepy. <laughs> oh no! You've fallen into the oh, creep no. trap. Lance Archer was a member of the Suzuki Gun faction in New Japan, uh, which is Minoru Suzuki's faction. Surprisingly enough, Surprisingly since it's enough, named yeah. after him. Uh, and his gun. <laughs> He and fellow Suzuki Gun member Davy Boy Smith Jr., the son of British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith, formed the tag team the Killer Elite Squad and won the IWGP Tag Team Championship three times. And when Suzuki Gun invaded Pro Wrestling Noah, Killer Elite Squad also won the uh, 
GHC Tag Team Championship. Davy Boy Smith Jr. left Japan in June 2019, leaving Archer to focus on singles competition, but it didn't seem like they were really going to uh, give him a big push. They, they didn't seem like they were quite sure what they wanted to do with him as a singles competitor and uh, to me Archer didn't seem like he was really happy with with his direction in Japan and obviously not long after this match he went to AEW and, and left New Japan entirely. This is one of one of the last matches he wrestles in New Japan it's not the last he's there for a little while after this. I was but... trying to work out what the timeline was and, and, and I, I could have put more effort in and actually found out exactly what it was but it seems like this was very close to him signing with AEW and leaving. I think in the next, I was going to say in the next match, but the next match is literally the next day. Yeah. Um, they're saying like, oh, is he's Lance Archer's probably not done with a US title yet, but <laughs> he is. But, <laughs> and also New Japan. Part and, and part of the way, like, so this was at, at Wrestle Kingdom, which is over two nights, and so it's. Uh, Moxley and Archer and then whoever wins that goes on to face Juice Robinson but if that sounds unfair it's okay because Juice Robinson and uh, David Finley were in a tag team title match on the first night as well so no matter what everybody's already wrestled a match admittedly not necessarily a Texas death match which is the stipulation it's slightly like Traditionally, a Texas Death Match works slightly differently to to the New Japan rules for it here, which is which is just the same as every other match. But you can put the chairs in the ring, <laughs> right? So it's a uh, Tokyo Texas right? Death Match. Like it's I, submission. It requires like a pin or uh, before they start the ten count or a submission. Whereas this is just oh, yeah. either submission or it's this is basically a last man standing match with submissions. Sure. So. The, there's no chance of disqualifications from chairs and shit. They could have. There only gonna, definitely is. If they're going to call it like a Texas death match, they could at least have like, I don't know, like a one of those mechanical bulls. <laughs> um, just some big steaks. Some Stetsons. Some barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, Stetsons on all the ring posts. Other than that, all right. it's, it's a fine format for a match. Match two. Night one of Wrestle Kingdom 14 on the 4th of January 2020 at the Tokyo Dome. United States champion Lance Archer versus John Moxley in a Texas death match for a belt that Moxley never lost. Moxley immediately just throwing all the chairs he can get his hands on into the ring as he comes out. In fact, tries to throw more chairs than he can manage yes. to get over the ropes <laughs> in. Does. Uh, then Archer comes out in full Mad Max gear. With a uh, swinging title belt dick. Oh, it's so <laughs> that is, good. That is almost exactly... I wrote, swinging belt dick. <laughs> Never seen someone wear it like a dick before. It's, it's great. Inspired. It's excellent. He's got this um, He's got this helmet on with like spiked mohawk as well. Yes. Mm. He used to wear that in AW to start with. And they've kind of mm. changed his gear up a little bit. But, uh, he's he, not, like, yeah, he's not quite as Mad Max. No. He walks out like he looks like the wrestling equivalent of a dude that like goes and does the like scared straight program with like <laughs> with kids at risk of going to jail. <laughs> what like uh, if you don't stop doing crime, I'll choke slam you f- <laughs> through a table. No, he's like I used to be in a biker gang and I smoked a lot of meth, but now. I live my life for the Lord. But now I can <laughs> that's, that's walk like the ropes and then do a moonsault. <laughs> Maybe you could too. 
he's also uh, carrying two trash can lids that will <laughs> definitely come into use. Um, the is it at this point where commentary? Oh, it's a little bit later on where the commentary team are like. He probably brought those from home. We don't even have those here. Yes. Never even seen a trash can like that here. Psychopath probably brought it from home. Yes. Yeah, they talk about them not being for any of, like, none of the trash cans <laughs> yeah. in New Japan look like that. They don't have those lids. No. He brought them with him. <laughs> Moxley charges at Archer before the bells rung, throwing forearms and then hitting the ropes. Archer takes him down with a crossbody, stomps Moxley on the ground, picks him up, hits a couple of forearms, and throws him against the ropes. Archer runs at Moxley, but Mox sidesteps and tosses Archer outside. Mox runs the ropes for momentum before suicide diving out of the ring at Archer. Moxley throws Archer around, slamming him into the barricades, then tosses him back into the ring and reaches under for a kendo stick. So when he does that to a Suicida, I don't know, you prob- probably will have noticed, uh, I thought it was pretty cool, he like, he goes from the tope, lands on his knees and does a sweet knee slide up the ramp. <laughs> um, it's radical. It's pretty cool, yeah. It's pretty gnarly. Moxley, kendo stick in hand, climbs the turnbuckle, but Archer has a chair. Moxley leaps over Archer, rolls through, and gets the chair thrown in his face. Archer smashes Moxley across across the back with the chair a couple of times before grabbing one of his bin lids, hitting Moxley in the back of the head multiple times. Archer picks up the kendo stick, whacks Moxley across the back, and rams the stick down into Moxley's throat. It's a really cool, like the end of the stick like just jabbing yeah, it yeah i've not seen that before because it's like a it's like a bundle of bamboo sticks isn't it it's yeah. like a, mm. like all the ends of it somehow really gnarly and it, like that's part of why it makes a big clack is because it's like there is it space separates between and a little... slaps back yeah. together doesn't it yeah uh, this is also the point where i'm not sure exactly where in that sequence but archer just at one point just shouts just fucking die <laughs> he also uh, i have more strikes to the back with the kendo stick archer tells moxley to eat shit <laughs> then yells at the crowd to shut up <laughs> yep. well he's giving them their instructions <laughs> just giant angry man from the beginning <laughs> Thwack, thwack, kendo stick to the chest and back uh, as Archer instructs Moxley to give up, you son of a bitch. (laughs) With Moxley in the corner, Archer holds the kendo stick against his throat, choking him. That's like lengthways rather than jabbing in that time. Uh, Mox claws Archer's face and gets a jab to the gut from the kendo stick for it. Archer swings the kendo stick against Moxley's chest, grabs hold of his arm, throws a couple of uh, punches and climbs the rope still holding Moxley's arm. Uh, Archer tries to walk the rope. It, it looks like he's doing a like Undertaker old school, but slips off onto the apron, which I don't know if that was intentional or if that was a botch that they just worked with well. I don't mm. think it was. I think probably he was... It, it, he might not have got to the end and done his moonsault, but like I think he was probably at least supposed to walk the ropes a bit and then get knocked off with a kendo stick. And it's certainly a, like a, a spot he's done before that's yeah. a cool... Like, I'm a big man, but I still have the agility to walk the ropes. Mm, yeah, it's a pretty like it's a pretty good start. It's pretty ferocious. Just a big old prop fight, yep, like yes. straight from the out. And like at times, it weirdly feels like it should maybe be private. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're we're intruding on this private fight. Yeah. <laughs> slash kink. <laughs> yeah, they, they just want to hit each other. Just let them. Just let it happen. Wait till we get to Moxley, <laughs> Moxley versus Kenta. In a room with oh, no crowd, yes. and they're they're 
like in any normal match it would be fine for them to lie on the floor and have a little hug for a minute whilst they recover but in a <laughs> silent room with no audience like it's a little intimate moment really start we, to hear uh, the like yeah, yeah i'm grunting yeah. i'm down oh. So yeah, Lance, Lance slips on the ropes. Yeah, sl- slips to the apron, Mox slams the kendo stick into the side of his head, then smashes the kendo stick into the head, neck, and shoulders of Archer again and again. The stick splinters and starts to come apart. Mox jabs Archer in the gut with it, then throws the stick down and picks up the trash can lid. Uh, lifts up the trash can lid to hit hit Archer over the head, muttering, uh, Something, something, trash can, you son of a bitch! trash can, you son of a bitch! I, I've played that like a few times. I have no idea what the first few words are before <laughs> trash can. I'm choosing to believe it's something, something trash can. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jesus gave me this trash can. <laughs> I don't know that Mox is a big Jesus guy. Oh, is it Mox that says yeah. that? I'm sorry. Uh, before no, Mox, it's can... like, no, your friend Jesus gave me this trash can. He told me to hit you with it. Before Moxie could strike Archer with the trash can lid, Archer grabs him by the throat. Moxley throws elbows to break free. Both men run the ropes and Archer gets hit in the head by a charging Moxley with the trash can lid. Archer lies prone on the canvas and referee Marty Asami starts to count. Uh, Moxley sets up two chairs with the trash can lid between them, picks Archer up and suplexes him into the chairs, then hits a flying knee to the head. Pretty nice. It's, yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't know that the trash can lid is the hardest thing there. Like, I think I've got that's that like sitting across the bridge like, of the two chairs. They're gonna separate, and then I guess you're gonna land on the on the. I'm gonna call it a bin lid, Ben. Yeah. Uh, the wrestling logic of the is. more the more stuff there is, the more it hurts. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's if that chair around your arm is actually blocking the blow from the second chair I'm swinging at your arm. It's, it's more, more stuff. stuff. Ow. Yeah. More <laughs> more more mass. More, more owls. I don't More think it's the minute. best like chair spot in the match, it's a fun but uh, it's a good one. Yeah. Archer rolls out of the ring and stumbles around the side. Moxie paces around a little bit, then jumps over the ropes at Archer, who reaches up, gets a big hand around Moxie's throat, and choke slams him into the apron. Felt like that should have had more impact than it actually did. Like, maybe I think he didn't get quite, quite high, enough, high enough. Yeah, you know. I think that's probably a case of Moxie being a little bit bigger, perhaps than, than some... he's used to doing that to or something. Or just, yeah, I don't know. They didn't get quite enough height from it, did they? Although, it didn't matter. Although it is on the hardest part of the ring. It is the hardest part of the ring. <laughs> um, it the didn't hardest... matter, though, because it's immediately followed up by Lance Archer choke slamming one of the young lions off the apron onto Moxley. Yeah. Which, <laughs> as if there weren't enough weapons now. Just, just <laughs> throwing rookies at Moxley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and then like just lashing out at everybody else at ringside. Yep. Uh, <laughs> They're just in the way. Just as Mox and the Young Lions are back on their feet, Archer launches into a Tope Suicida, crashing into everyone at ringside. And that's uh I know Matt, you you've said before that, that that spot of like someone jumping out of the ring into a bunch of people is often kind of like disappointing and weak looking because it's clear that there's like a load of people to catch them. I feel like when Lance Archer did it then, it felt justified that it just bowls everyone over. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a big mass of Lance Archer falling on your face. <laughs> like that that's fine. It's like when when like I feel like WWE does it a lot where they'll have it's like more and more people doing it one by one and just as everyone else gets up, another person's thrown on the pile. And it yeah. just looks safer and safer and every it's time. Also, like when it's like 
six people at ringside and like Kofi Kingston flies into them. Or, I don't buy that that knocks those six people down. Or when Darby Allen coffin drops onto the entire Dark Order. <laughs> like, uh, he weighs like two stone. He's, he's a tiny man. He, he is. He's a great wrestler, he but he's a tiny man. Tiny twink prince of AEW. <laughs> yep. You've got to remember that there's hard bones inside him, though. Hard bones. There are, yeah. I suppose so. Sting hardened his bones at birth. <laughs> <laughs> in, in exchange for being as gullible as fuck. Scorpion venom? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure why not? He injected his face paint into his bones. The referee's count reaches eight before Moxie manages to get up and roll himself into the ring, but Archer is waiting for him with a chair shot. Archer opens two chairs in the middle of the ring, gives Mox a whack with the splintered kendo stick, and opens up two more chairs before going to pick Moxley up. But Mox is already up, gets up, gets behind Archer for a waist lock, looks like he can't lift the big man for a suplex, switches, gets Archer onto his shoulders, but his back gives out and Archer escapes. Moxley, clutching his back, moves into the corner as Archer charges. He keeps Archer at bay with a quick boot and hops onto the second rope. Archer hits Moxley across the face with a big chop, gets him onto his shoulders in the crucifix position and delivers a blackout, inverted crucifix powerbomb onto the chairs. Archer appears to be frothing at the mouth as he crawls over to Moxley <laughs> while Asami counts. As soon as Moxley's back on his feet, Archer grabs him and forces him back down, slamming his head into a chair a few times while applying the EBD claw, or everybody dies claw. So that blackout spot was the best chair spot. Yes, correct. Um, it's great. I, I, I love the blackout uh, as a finisher. I think the blackout through chairs is fucking insane. Um, the blackout through chairs to someone as big as Moxley yeah, is like, just like, it's so impressive. Moxley isn't Lance Archer huge, but he's not a small man. No, no. I feel like he's a very long man, but his weight is distributed quite heavily on like either end. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the EBD claw is just a bit rubbish, isn't it? So... Uh... The EBD claw, or historically it's been called the Iron Claw, and has been used by a few different wrestlers. I'm going to do a little wrestling history sidebar about the Iron Claw. Ooh. The Iron Claw was the finisher of Fritz von Erich, who played a heel oh. character of a kind of Nazi Ubermensch type person. Uh, <laughs> the move became a signature of the von Erich family, despite the fact that Fritz's sons were all babyface characters. Uh, we won't go into it now. Also, the Von Erichs is a like just a fucking horrible tragedy of a story. I think five out of fr- of the six kids all died before Fritz in like Jeez. real shitty, yeah, some like Kennedy curse shit. The move was also used by Baron Von Raschke, another villainous German character, who would do a spot where he'd attempt to apply the claw to his opponent, who would dodge, and Von Raschke would end up grabbing the turnbuckle and be unable to release his mighty grip. <laughs> So it's it's definitely got a history in like being a quite a like cartoony spot and I, yeah I don't I don't think it quite works in Lance Archer isn't isn't a cartoon villain he is he has stopped using it more recently um, which I think is for the best it's the issue of it is it's like the thing of like I'm hitting you with this baseball bat but my hands are over the end of it. Um, it's like well, I've, I've got shit from Triple H as well. Yeah, 
like I've, I've got this claw one. over your face, but also I'm gently cradling the back of your head so as not to slam it what, into the mat too the, hard. And and like the idea of the ABD claw or the iron claw is that like you've you've got such a strong grip that you're squeezing their head and mm. and like I, they used to sell it of like oh he's rupturing blood vessels and <laughs> this will destroy his hearing because he's crushing his skull and. Mm. But uh, and then just he not, not turns out he's it. fine. Actually, he get he gets up and wrestles the rest of the match. <laughs> Moxley escapes the EBD claw by whipping his legs up to scissor Lance Archer's head and pulling Archer's arm into an armbar. Archer manages to sit up and throttles Moxley, picking him up by the throat and suplexing him into the corner. I always like when a, a big guy just can like just stand up and hold someone and throw them around out of a move. That's always fun. And like the the throat as the point of contact for a suplex is pretty impressive. Yes. Um, I know, you know, Moxley's doing some work there as well, yeah. throwing himself over, but like, it's, it, again, it looks, it looks <laughs> it rough looks cool. and it looks cool. Well done, yeah. everyone. <laughs> well done, everyone involved. <laughs> Archer runs at Moxley slumped in the corner, but Mox jumps up and hits him with a lariat. Archer tries to chokeslam Moxley, but he escapes and delivers a double arm DDT to Archer, leaving him flat on his back. So that's, like we were saying before, that's one of the cases of, like, that's not quite a Death Rider, because he didn't get the, like, elevation and stuff. But it, it's very similar to a Death Rider, but it doesn't count. It doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. You, the, the, their entire body weight isn't, like, on pushing down the top yeah. of their head as they uh, as they go into it. It's It works. <laughs> I like it. Marty Sami begins counting Archer out, but he manages to sit up and get back to his feet before the ten count. Moxley tries for Death Rider, but can't get the six foot eight Archer up. Mox delivers some knee- some high knees to Archer's chin, runs the ropes, but Archer takes him down with the derailer, which is a a low shoulder block. Is like running and hits him low with his shoulder. Uh, Moxley's back is clearly just covered in massive welts from those kendo stick like wax. Uh, that was just really visible at that point. <laughs> Uh, Archer choke slams Moxley onto a chair. Mox spasms on the mat as he tries to beat the count. Makes oh. it to his feet and gives Archer two defiant middle fingers and gets a big boot to the head. Th- that bit where he's like convulsing on the floor—it's so good. It's like it's like it- it's like he's got like an electrode inside himself and he's like shocking himself back to life <laughs> like a fucking f- like a frog. It's um yeah. There- there's a couple of good moments like that. Um... I feel like I keep skipping ahead, but there's there's a really good moment in the Kenta match where he kind of uh, this again really exaggerated facial expression where he's like, "Oh shit, we're on 19, better get back in the ring." Um, yeah, there's some some good some good uh, some good acting some by Moxley. Good, good selling and some good selling. face work. Yeah, yeah. Lance Archer pulls out a plastic carrier bag and uses it to suffocate Moxley while applying the EBD claw. This is like. If the EBD claw is silly, I don't know that adding a carrier bag makes it not silly. My notes for this say, plastic bag suffocating mocks? Nope. <laughs> I I did not like it. Yeah, not not wasn't a huge fan of that spot. No. I feel like just the idea of a plastic bag by itself is like more vicious than the entire look of the, of the EBD. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, imagine if he just like got behind him and just pulled it tore over his face. I mean, I guess that would have been also. Actually, actually dangerous. EBD yeah. stands for everybody dies. Uh-huh. But everybody is one word. 
Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So what? It should be ED claw. It should be the erectile dysfunction claw. <laughs> oh no. So sometimes, sometimes backronyms. <laughs> are just are just be- just make the world a little bit better. So this is an not, initialism, not an acronym. It's not. Uh, fair enough. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Mm. So what were you going to say, Jamie? <laughs> I was going to call you a bad word, Ben. You're going to call me a cunt. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> um, <laughs> for reasons that no one will understand. Is that one game? There is a difference between acronyms and initialisms, yeah. and it needs to be respected. Yeah, yeah. So he's not saying that everybody, as in everyone, he's saying that uh, there are bodies, and every one of those bodies dies. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's weird. That's I, weird I, I guess. Say. I guess that's the justification <laughs> that I've just made it's up. It's like not just human bodies, celestial bodies. Yeah, like rats have bodies; they die. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, they're not celestial bodies. <laughs> I started saying that whilst you. Uh, Pl- Pluto dies. I should listen. Yeah, it was a really bad cartoon, to, that one. To be fair, <laughs> listening to me is not very rewarding most of the time. So, you know. I'm glad you're admitting it finally. Yeah, I didn't want to be the one. I'm glad to say you invited it. me on this podcast. <laughs> DVD Claw with the, the carrier bag. Moxley goes limp. Sammy lifts his arm to check he's conscious. Uh,. Mox keeps his arm up on the third attempt, standard, like, have you passed out wrestling spot? Archer lays into Moxley with elbows and forearms. Archer goes under the t- uh, under the table, under the ring, and pulls out two tables, setting them up at ringside, then gets back into the ring, pulls Moxley onto the apron, grabs his spiked helmet off the ring post, and forces the spikes into Moxley's head, and then tries to hit a blackout off the apron into the tables. Moxley actually bleeding from the head after that. Yeah. Like, those spikes broke the skin. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> I don't... I would assume, from what I know about John Moxley, that that was a, like, that yeah, he was really fine jammed him in there. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, um... He loves a death match. <laughs> uh, they've been teasing, um... In, in GCW, uh, him and Nick Gage um, for the GCW title. And Nick Gage seems like an insane person. <laughs> Every time I see photos of him, <laughs> he is just bleeding from everywhere. Um, I, I think I, I want to see that match. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's also, he's one of the, he was on an episode of Dark Side of the Ring recently, Nick Gage. And like, he's not dead or anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that seems just, weird. They just did an episode about how mentally like, he is. This guy is pretty fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> this will make a good one. I mean, New Jack wasn't dead when they did the New Jack episode of Dark I suppose, Side of the but, but I guess, but he had he wasn't actively wrestling or anything, was he? And also, he stabbed people. Yeah, yeah. N- nearly killed a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um. Wow. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Mo- back to the fun fight- plastic bag spot. <laughs> no, we're past oh, no, the we're plastic past bag that. spot. Uh, the spiky Mo- helmet. Moxley, uh, yeah, spiky helmet, then uh, an attempt at a blackout, but Moxley fights back with forearms to Archer's head. Archer throws Moxley off his shoulders back into the ring. Mox manages to kick Archer in the head on the way down. Uh, this is similar to the, like, juice flip, where I'm not entirely sure if he was supposed to, like, Hit him in the head, kick him in the head, like, but but it looked cool in a like sloppy real fighting kind of way. These things happen. Fun story uh, that's sort of related from today. 
earlier today my neighbor nearly dropped uh, the blade of a chainsaw on my head <laughs> it wasn't turning at the time but what? like have you started backyard wrestling <laughs> with chainsaws i feel like that's a dumb thing that some backyard wrestler has oh, done um i feel like that's a dumb thing that like retribution did didn't they come in and like chainsaw the ring ropes or something? Wasn't there also uh, on on a related the, the Dean Ambrose Brock Lesnar like uh, Extreme Rules or whatever they called it? Like I think it was a WrestleMania match that where where to prepare Ambrose was like going to uh, Mick Foley and Terry Funk and a bunch of like hardcore guys. And bringing all these different weapons, and then he just got the shit kicked out of him anyway. Here, here is really a picture of wow. uh, of Terry Funk clashing, like doing like a a weapon clash with Mick Foley, who is holding a steel chair, and Terry Funk is holding a chainsaw. <laughs> oh yeah, Terry Funk had a nice. whole oh what was his name with the cha- he had a whole chainsaw gimmick uh, in that era, in that like late nineties. <laughs> I want to say uh, Captain Chainsaw, but I don't think that's right. Chainsaw Charlie. Chainsaw Charlie, thank you. That was going to bug me. Excellent. Uh, where were we? I derailed the conversation again. It's, I mean, if it's just me reading out the script, it's not very interesting. It's all right. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I thought it was interesting that I nearly got chainsawed in the head today. It, it is interesting. I'm glad you didn't die. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks, Ben. Uh, that's... Moxley bounces off the ropes, running at Archer, but Archer catches him in a choke, looking to choke slam him into the tables. Moxley holds onto the rope and stays on his feet, kicks Archer in the gut, and hits a Death Rider through the tables. Both men are down as Asami starts to count. Mox gets up, but Archer can't answer the count. The bell rings at 15:22, and John Moxley is once again the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, while Lance Archer lies bloody at the ringside in the wreckage of tables. So he's really bleeding pretty bad. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. And the, I mean, to Lance Archer's credit, like, the commentary are like, oh, we're trying to get him medical attention, but he's refusing and he's like pushing people away and getting back to his feet and stuff. Like, that's some, that's some good. Yeah, he's fully staying in character, like, yeah. after the end of the match. Like, no, fuck off. I'm fucking, I'm mad. I lost <laughs> yeah, my belt. Yeah. It's it's a cool finish. It's uh, I it feel is. like Lance Archer was re- was pretty dominant for most of the time, but it's he just got caught real bad by yeah, the table. He, he the just end. got caught with a finisher through some tables. Yeah, yeah. and Mo- Mox just like is just able to stumble to his feet. Well, there's a there's a nice there's a nice series of um, counters going on there where he's trying to choke Simon and he's trying to get the blackout. Yeah, uh, Moxley's weaseling his way out of everything, and then he gets lucky and he gets his finisher in. And obviously, Archer's going on his head, and he's going on his back, so he comes off a little bit better. Yep. Um, it's a it's a nice finish. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, it's a it's a good fun like, uh, just fucking balls out. Let's throw everything at each other match. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, like, I think it being about fifteen minutes is is the right length for the kind of they went all out right from the beginning you wouldn't want it to be too much longer yeah it, it didn't feel like a short match no um, it was it was definitely eventful uh and and the kind of match i said earlier i felt a bit bad about you know for archer being the sort of little interim champion and not getting much of a reign but like if he's gonna lose the title that's the way to lose it in something like 
hard fought like that. Yeah, and I suppose uh, he cut. You would think he must have always known he was going to be an interim champion because. Oh yeah. Like cl- clearly, Moxley was going to come back. It was like, uh, well, we're booked to have a match, and he's not going to be able to be here, so we'll have the match be something else instead and this is the reason for it oh sure sure um and they they got a really cool title match out of it um and you know as we said lance archer wasn't around for all that much longer so yeah um it probably worked out fine in the end he's uh so he's doing all right these days (laughs) (laughs) the next night uh, still at wrestle kingdom 14 5th of January 2020 in the Tokyo Dome is the Juice Robinson Moxley title match, which is the the first time Moxley has actually got to defend the belt. Oh yeah, you're right. Mox v Juice Redu. He won it, he got stripped of it, then he won it again. <laughs> Juice Robinson jumps onto John Moxley before the bell rings. Wait, 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 we can't go straight there. It's Juice Robinson. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, he comes wait, out. Wait, is this the this, this is, is daddy time, Juice? Oh Robinson. no! Yeah, yeah, why haven't I got that in my? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got like the colored chains, multicolored, like he's like furry ball biker leather daddy, <laughs> and he's just won the fucking tag titles with uh, David Finley, who slaps him on the arse on the way into the ring. <laughs> he's accompanied by David Finley's luscious mane yes. and also David Finley. Oh, David Finley's um, hair is so nice. Yeah, he's 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 just left the um, village people cosplay competition, where he's really gone all out. Um, yeah, he's like pom pom Co- cop. Covered his yes, covered his leather daddy outfit with multicolored pom poms. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. The he cool... you know he got fired by Colgate for swearing in the last match, but he's bounced back. He's um. He's now like a police mascot, I guess. <laughs> yeah, his, Ooh, his cool. like black trousers have those like kind of weird like plastic uh, like coloured chains around them that are like three yeah. D chains. Yeah, he has all yeah all that like three D like texture. Yes, yeah. it's a it's a it's a good outfit. I'm I'm sorry I tried to skip over his How could insane you? costume. We can do it with everyone else. We don't need to talk about like oh Minoru Suzuki comes out. He's wearing his black pants and his his like Short work shoes. <laughs> yeah, Kevin comes out wearing his black that. trunks and his black wrestling boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but importantly, yes, this match is taking part taking place in Daddy time. <laughs> it sure is. He's yeah. He feels like the already flamboyant Juice Robinson has pulled out all the stops for night two of Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> it's um it's also noted right at the beginning, I think. Um or maybe or if it's not if they don't mention it at the beginning it's worth noting that um Juice had uh beaten Mox in the G one tournament, which yes. was the match that he needed to win in order to to progress, so there's a bit of a grudge match. Yes, beyond the, just the title. The the it's also a rubber match between the the two of them. Yes. Of like they both won one. Uh, yeah, Juice stopped Moxley from progressing in the G1 by beating him. Yeah, you, you're right. That is that is an important thing to to note. Juice Robinson jumps onto John Moxley before the bell rings, throwing punches, then whipping Moxley into the barricade. 
Juice continues to throw Moxley around, dropping his throat into a barrier and hitting a scoop slam. Mox shoves Juice into the ring post and goes under for some chairs. Juice evades Moxley and drop toe holds him into the chair. Moxley... So don't they... Because I've... In my notes, um, they they kind of... I think Juice sends Moxley into the ring and then Moxley immediately just goes over to the other side of the ring and straight back out again. You're like right, they, yes. they, they brawl about a little bit and like, oh, they're going to get in the ring. No, no, nope. Yeah. Time for some chairs. Yeah, it's very like... They run at each other. Oh, they're gonna get in the ring. Nah, no. You're right. We've got more to do. <laughs> this this match definitely comes out swinging, like bright and early. They it seems like they both get they're both gonna start going for pins pretty early. I, I it almost feels like they're kind of like we want to get this done. And it yeah. makes I'm sense. I'm tired from yesterday. Like psychology wise, of yeah, John Moxley's just won a fucking grueling Texas Death Match. Juice's just won a, a tag team match that. I will have watched at the time, but I don't remember it being particularly grueling. I think it was a normal tag team match. Yeah, it's it's a tag. Also, he's doing ha- like half the work ostensibly, right? Like, I, I guess, yeah, yeah. He gets to have a bit of a rest sometimes, <laughs> but but <laughs> just the, really undersell tag team wrestling. But at least well, the no, I, like, the idea is they've both wrestled a match the previous night. Yeah, yeah. Juice evades Moxley and drop toe holds him into a chair. Then Moxley is like falls like into a sitting position in the chair so he so what actually happens is he hits the chair with his face knocks the chair over he then sets the chair back up again whilst he's lying on the ground so that he can then be put sitting into the chair for the next spot where juice robinson hits a cannonball yep an effectively cannonball. he doesn't he doesn't just fly over the top of the chair and land on the floor no, he, fucking he hits Moxley smashes right into him believe and in yourself great. he can do anything he, he 100% gets all of it <laughs> he does <laughs> and, it, and it looks it, it looks, looks great. really good yeah and also before that when Moxley's sitting in the chair I mean it's not surprising his back is covered in bruises sure I, I was so proud. So proud of Juice. Good job, little buddy. <laughs> it's like, accuracy, yes. Back in the ring, Juice throws Moxley into the turnbuckle and chases him with a lariat. Robinson tries to whip Moxley into the opposite corner. Moxley counters, whipping Juice hard into the corner and over the top rope. Referee Tiger Hattori tells Moxley, no chairs, but to absolutely no avail as Moxley whacks Juice across the back of the chair. Moxley rolls Robinson back into the ring and mounts him, attacking the left eyebrow that he opened up in their first encounter. Tagahatori warns Moxley not to use closed fists, which, again, rules aren't entirely consistent. Is this the bit where where Moxley's like doing the sort of fake, oh, thank you? Um, Um, Is this the bit where he does... I think that's slightly later where he does yeah he like bows and thanks yeah. Tiger Hattori after after being like told off for something and then just goes back to goes doing back to it. Do what it was yeah. Uh, Scamp. My notes like, are not as good as yours. My my kayfabe logic for for being told off for closed fists there is that maybe it's uh like you're allowed to use closed fists to someone on their feet but not when they're on the ground because that is. Uh, I think Pancrase, the the MMA promotion that we'll talk a little bit about when we get to Minoru Suzuki, mm. had had is? some rules like that. that I make, that mis like misinterpreted what you said as like only when you're hitting their feet, like <laughs> because technically that's a kick. A foot is just the hands that you can't make a fist with. A fist is just a punch that you can't kick the punch kicker. <laughs> 
You're so wise, Ben. Thank you. This is why you're in charge. <laughs> this is why you're the host. <laughs> Moxie hits Juice with a backbreaker and goes for a pin. Robinson kicks out at two. Moxie pulls Juice up by the hair, which gets him another warning from the referee. Moxie puts Juice into a camel clutch. Juice begins to power up to his feet. Moxley breaks the hold, hitting Juice with a forearm and shoving him into the corner. Lariat from Moxley, then a snapmare, leaving Juice seated in the middle of the ring for a sliding clothesline and another pin attempt. Mox and Juice then trade chops. Then Moxley grabs Juice's head and starts biting because he's a dirty, filthy man. <laughs> More reprimands from Hattori. Moxley hits the ropes, gets hit with a spine buster from Juice, then a big leg lariat. This was the point where the commentary team were talking about the permanent scar. Yes. Uh, they'd given him. Yeah, which when is he's, a, when which he's is fighting nice, again and they're like. Yeah. It's a nice, nice storytelling. Kind yeah. Of touch, touch for it, yeah. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> My next note just says juice box! Exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robinson gets Moxie on his shoulders and delivers a juice box. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Gets him up for a power bomb. Moxie tries to block, but Juice manages to hit it and pins Moxie for a two count. So, like you were saying, Matt, there's yeah, there's quite a few like relatively quickly. We're we're going for pin attempts. The like psychology. I I read a good thing. Uh, by by Lance Archer about like the psychology of pinning and like uh, where you should be covering and stuff and the idea that like you're not necessarily trying to win every time you go for a pin you're like you're testing how tired your opponent is you're making them like expend energy to kick out of a pin like the, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on other than just I expect I can win right now like you're making them panic you're making yeah. them have to react to you exactly you're not letting them rest uh, Juice, selling his back issues, starts to... Uh, yeah, so he's, he's like clutching his back and then does his like juicing up that's kind of like Moxie's moxing up, but <laughs> with more like babyface kind of hyping the crowd. He then throws a series of right-hand jabs, tries for a left hand of God, but Moxie had it scouted, takes Juice down and applies a figure-four leg lock. Juice managed to pull himself to the ropes, Moxley releases the submission, drags Robinson into the corner and smashes his leg into the post, then applies a ring post figure four. That hanging figure four is a very cool thing. Yes. That's one of those, uh, like, when you really think about it, that's probably not too uncomfortable for either person involved no, in that. No. But it looks really cool looks and you good. can sell it as really painful and like, oh, it's, it's all the pressure that's being pulled on, but you've got a big fucking metal post in between the... <laughs> yeah. It just looks really uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a really good move. It does, yeah. I like that one a lot. The referee calls for the break. Moxley paces back and forth at ringside, eventually picking up a chair and closing it around Juice Robinson's head and neck. Moxley picks up another chair to strike Juice with. Robinson, still with the chair around his neck, punches the chair into Moxley's face with the left hand <laughs> of God, knocking Moxley on his ass. I really, like, he's got the chair necklace and he just punches the chair he's about to get hit with. <laughs> <laughs> this this was where the commentary were bringing up. They were like, he must have broken his hands. Yes, which yeah, his, history of breaking his hand. Which is also where I will bring up again the nice padded seats on these particular chairs <laughs> they use. It was probably fine. It did look it did look good though. It did look good. Yeah. Yeah. Juice rolls Moxley into the ring and gets him onto the top turnbuckle for a superplex. Then picks him up and hits him with a jackhammer. 
or a suplex power slam. Mm. It's uh, not a move you see. Uh, I don't. I feel like I don't see a lot of people outside of Bill Goldberg doing a jackhammer. No, I, I, I don't think I would have known what it was called unless they had said it in the commentary. I was like, is he going for a brain buster and did it just not land quite right? But I no, it's its own thing. I guess I haven't watched enough. I probably have watched enough Goldberg matches. Mm. Um, I mean, they're historically not very long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you you want to watch some some real nice spears and some jackhammers and not a lot else and nothing much else, yeah. Pin attempt. Moxley kicks out at two. Juice calls for pulp friction. Mox counters with a suplex. Runs for a lariat. Juice catches him with a suplex of his own. The two collide with lariats. Moxley follows up with a second lariat, knocking Robinson to the canvas. Mox picks up Juice for a Death Rider, but Juice escapes and catches Moxley in a roll-up pin. Kick out at two. Juice hits Moxley with a big lariat, knocking him to the mat, but Juice collapses to the canvas as well, causing Tiger Hattori to begin a double count as both men struggle to get to their feet. Moxley gets onto his knees, pulls up Robinson and snarls, Come on! Come on! Hit me! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Hit me! Hit me! He also says, come on, bitch. He does say, come on, bitch. Yep. <laughs> fucking, fucking Aaron Paul. <laughs> come on, bitch. <laughs> I feel like John Moxley is a lot more threatening than Aaron Paul could possibly ever be. I'll be honest, I quite enjoy getting the intonation completely wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Lance Archer saying, fucking die. <laughs> That's exactly what he sounds like. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Juice obliges and they trade forearms plus a couple couple of headbutts. Moxie gets the better of the exchange, inciting Juice with a slap and a come on, bitch! (laughs) Imploring him to fight back. Juice retorts with a slap of his own then gets hit by two more elbows followed by a flying knee. He's done now, Moxie declares, setting Juice up for a death rider. Juice escapes, hitting Moxie with a right hook. Mox tries to hit back, but Juice ducks and hits Moxley with the left hand of God. You mean he wasn't done? He wasn't, in fact, done. No, it wasn't accurate. Overconfident from uh, old Jonathan Good. Moxley is dazed, but still on his feet. Robinson puts him... Robinson hits him with another left hand of God to put him down, then pulls him up for a pulp friction. Moxley counters, kick to the gut, double-arm DDT, floats over and delivers a Death Rider, pinning Juice and retaining the championship at 13 minutes exactly. Moxley has another great line at the end where he's like crawls over towards the camera at the edge of the ring, and he's like, this is one long weekend. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, I, I really like the like initial DDT, and that he like holds on and floats over and then does the Death Rider. Mm. Is, that's a really cool finish spot. Yeah, yeah. He knows that first one's not going to do the job. Yeah. But uh, but it's okay. He's got a better one. <laughs> it's like the first one were, were, was quick and dirty to get you like so that you can't fight back. The second one is to finish you off. Absolutely. After the match, as Moxley is delivering a promo in the ring, uh, Minoru Suzuki comes out and faces off with Moxley. They attack each other as New Japan officials ring the bell to try and stop the fight. Tiger Hattori wisely stays at a safe distance. Suzuki catches Moxley in a rear naked choke, then hits him with a Gotch-style pile driver. Suzuki surprise! Yes, Suzuki surprise. 
Thank you for listening to episode one of the Pro Wrestling Playlist. We were referring to it by the working title, Another Wrestling Podcast, but we've decided on Pro Wrestling Playlist as the name for the show. We pick a handful of matches from a wrestler's career or a particular run or feud, so we felt that Playlist fits, and Pro Wrestling Playlist rolls off the tongue nicely. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate you giving us a rating and a review on your podcast app of choice, or just sharing the show with someone you think would enjoy it. We'll be back in two weeks with part two of John Moxley's IWGP US title matches. Thanks for listening.